Well, hello, everybody. It's nice to see all your smiling faces once again. Welcome to the Anhedonic Headphones podcast, believe it or not. This is the sixth season of this, episode 31 in total, and the first episode for this time around. Happy New Year, by the way. Even though this episode was recorded uh, a month ago, it is being unleashed onto an unsuspecting public on January 1st. January 1st, 2022. Who thought we would make it to this year, given how poorly things have been going? I sure didn't. It's me, your boy, Kevin Krein, a.k.a. Kevy Fly, your favorite podcast hosts favorite podcast host. I'm excited for today's episode. I had a delightful conversation with my guest joining me from Boston. He is both a solo artist as well as the co-front person of a great band that I discovered in 2021. So without further ado, we'll save all that for the end uh, with the fine print after the show is over. Folks, put your motherfucking hands together as you are able for my illustrious guest today, Daniel Radin. So before we get into the conversation, uh, I just wanted to say thank you so much for taking time out of your day to be willing to do this and just in general for your interest in being a part of the podcast. I'm really appreciative of that. Yeah, it's a it's a great idea for a show and I'm happy to happy to do it. Um, so for the folks at home who might not be familiar with you and your various bodies of work with the band and with your own stuff, do you <laughs> want to just take a... <laughs> You're like, I'm a very famous celebrity. I don't know why anyone... <laughs> um, but no. for, for anyone who's tuning in who might be like, now who, what illustrious guest does Kevin have on the show today? Do you want to do a quick little intro just to let folks know who you are and, and what you, um, kind of what you do? What I do. Um, yeah. yeah, so my name's Daniel Radin. Uh, I am a Boston-born, or I guess, I mean, greater boston born uh person uh how much how much how much dunkin donuts have you had today today i've had very little to none (laughs) (laughs) we always have a little bit you know if you're from boston you always have a little bit just running through you at all times (laughs) because they say it yeah it takes like six months for a bagel from Dunkin' Donuts to leave your body. Oh God! <laughs> no, I'm making that up. <laughs> <laughs> that wouldn't. That honestly wouldn't surprise me, though. <laughs> um, so no, I, steam, I, I I steamrolled your whole your whole intro, though. So Daniel, no, that's I was gonna d- delve into Dunkin' Donuts okay. later. So <laughs> okay, we brought it up earlier. That's fine. Wait, where are you? I didn't. I forgot. I, I am know. from. I am from south of uh, the Twin Cities in Minnesota. Okay. Cool. Nice. I like that area. So there are some donkeys uh, in in the Twin Cities area. Good. That's. I think that it's one of those things. It's like, I to me, Dunkin' Donuts is like you don't you don't drink eggnog in July <laughs> because it's just not right. And it's like I don't drink Dunkin' Donuts coffee outside of New England. It's not right. Like there's a certain time and place to, for me. If I was like, I heard like, oh, LA got Dunkin' Donuts. I'm like, no, it's not. Unless I guess I like 
it was a nostalgic thing, but for me, I live here, so it's not nostalgic. You're gonna it's you're just... gonna be like in Chicago and see your donkeys and be like, "Is this don't hit the same, bro?" Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> uh, Eggnog in July sounds also absolutely revolting. Let's just keep it funky. right. Maybe that's okay. Yeah, maybe it should be a little more neutral. Just, uh, I mean, I don't like eggnog. Yeah, like, I was like, I don't really, round, so. I don't really bang with eggnog at all either. So yeah, I don't know. I, there's, I'm sure there's a better, uh, um, there's a more analogous thing but that's what i went with because it's december so yeah it is uh so anyway you are yes today is december oh it is yeah okay yeah it's the first of the month um nailed it yeah (laughs) we are recording this on december 1st got it i knew that wasn't a guess (laughs) you're like this year is still going on god damn how does it win (laughs) yep um so you are in boston and you you are in a band and you do stuff on your own. So you want to talk a little bit about that before you jump into the tunes you selected yeah. to talk about? Yeah. So I play okay. in a, a band called future teens. Uh, when people ask me what kind of band it is, I say rock music because <laughs> I don't feel like getting into the whole genre thing. And they're like, Oh, that's super generic. But, uh, but if you were like, okay, expand on that, I would say like, uh, I would say like thought well bummer pop is what we have okay. uh, on our on our Twitter which uh was coined by uh, a great writer at Substream came up with that which we've now you we just use full time as our descriptor on the internet uh, I mean, and now I think our our old label Yeah yeah no it feels it feels right it's like <laughs> upbeat sad songs um but you know, you that would describe Carly Rae Jepsen too, which we'll talk about later. Yeah, um, I, that arguably yes, that some of her pop is very bad. yeah. It's yeah, um, but I also started uh, over the past year and a half or so. I started like a solo project, which is my first time ever doing that. Uh, surprisingly, uh, in my many years of playing music, and so that's been fun. So uh, myself and Colby from Future Teens. I uh, recorded a record, and that came out just about a year ago, and a year ago October, I think. Okay. Um. So, when we with the show since the pandemic, I used to do this in my living room and have people in the house and just chop it up with them. But that obviously is not really the case anymore. So I do this remotely with folks across the country, and because of the state of the world over the last two years, uh, I just checking in with folks like how you been holding up and how you been doing like creatively and like able to keep working, keep doing things um, since, you know, the start of 2020. I mean, you put out a solo album and future teens put out an EP this year, but in terms of like shows or like working on other things, like have you been able to manage and stay busy and creative or has it been, has it been really difficult? Um, Yeah. I think at a certain point I hit this, sort of acceptance that I like I think before the pandemic began I had this idea that I needed to like plan everything out many months in advance and that's that's kind of how it works when you're touring so much you have to plan six to eight months in advance um and then when the pandemic hit it was like well you can't plan uh anything anymore uh, you just kind of <laughs> you just hope that things yeah. can work out and so I started to refocus on things I could control, things I could plan for. And and honestly, a lot of that was writing. Um, 
And so I have been, Future Teens have been writing a lot. We just went into a, the studio in New Jersey uh, and we recorded a record. Oh, and nice. Yeah, that's so that's, great. that's exciting. Um, no idea when that'll see the light like, of day. I was like... <laughs> The uh, the peak vinyl backup will prevent that from getting. Yeah, two years later. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Listen, I (laughs) I have I hit maximum capacity on my vinyl collection years ago, uh, and now I have like a big tape collection. Oh, nice. Yeah, honestly, fuck with with tapes a lot. Yeah, they're they're so okay. First of all, they're small. They. They don't take up as much space. They they're really satisfying to like look at and hold. I mean, and I'll talk about this later too, but I, you know, I grew up I was like right on the cutoff between tapes and CDs, so my first thing I ever bought piece of music was a tape. is in this list that you sent me is a nice slice of the Brit pop pie from the end of the nineties with blur. So tell me about, well, first, how did you, what metrics did you use to choose these songs that we're going to talk about? Um, so I have a relatively long playlist that I started maybe four years ago. That's just favorite songs of all time. Okay. And and that's those are songs I could listen to over and over and over and not get sick of. And I just consider like perfect perfect songs to me, like my okay. perfect song. Um I definitely, you know, I I don't know if like I, I I'm not using it in like a platonic sense. Like I don't uh, I'm not trying to make the point that these are perfect songs like in, intrinsically yeah oh, sure yeah but for to me they are okay um and so i and and that part part of the reason i started the list is to help my songwriting and i tried to say like okay what is so good about this song and how sure. can i write a song that's this good okay um yeah so coffee and tv this is from um the is this this came out in 99 didn't it this blur song yes, it's from yeah. 13 yeah okay damn that's a while ago <laughs> <laughs> I have moments like that too sometimes where things that came out 
the year I graduated from high school and started college yeah. and now turning 20. Oh gosh, yeah. And I'm like, my heart just kind of flutters a little bit and I'm just like, ooh, that's Listen, all. The, the I, inevitability I, of becoming washed. That is I, me. <laughs> I know. I, I always say this to my my uh, fiance's grandmother. She's like, oh, I never get old. And I always say, it's better than the alternative. <laughs> So, you know, that's the way I try and think of it. You're like, I'm here for a good time, not a long time. Um, So, Blur, Coffee and TV. So, tell me about your relationship with this with this song and with Blur and with, like, Britpop as a as a whole at the, the tail end of the 90s. Yeah. So, I, I started listening to Blur. I think I got the Blur Best of CD in high school uh, and got really into it. I mean, that is, like, one of the best best ofs. Um, they had, some ba- they had some bangers. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, my God. A, they had a really good run. Um, for real. For most of the decade of really memorable tunes. Yeah. And really, I mean, so this album specifically, 13, is like extremely experimental. It's there's like this. There's like Coffee and TV, which is just like a perfect pop song. Mm-hmm. And then there's like, you know, some Swamp Song is the next song in the on the album, which is like has this crazy guitar tone. It's just a wild album. Uh, really good album and then this song yeah i just consider this song like a just the perfect like pop rock song uh the chords are interesting the melody's interesting it's got a great guitar solo um and then part of what's great about it too is the music video yeah i was just gonna say the video was very very iconic of that time. yeah i used to to stay up I i didn't i could never stay up for 120 minutes um on mtv so i would tape it and then nice. I'd watch it the next day when I got home from school. And so yes. I, I remember seeing the little milk carton uh, guy and being like, man, that's a really like I miss really clever videos or like videos where there's like a lot of thought into it. Yeah. It's, it's like more than just selling the band or selling the song, but it's like telling a story. Or it's like a short film. Right. And it's exactly. not something you it's not something you see much anymore. And so yeah, like the heyday of like really artsy videos, like Blur were definitely in there with this one. And yeah, fun fact, I completely lifted the concept minus the milk carton plus a very talented yo-yoist uh for our video for the future teens video for frequent crier. Um like the the concept of like following a person or milk carton around somewhere and then seeing the band play like i completely just lifted that concept for our video um because i just think it's such a great video yeah
still like I mean Blur is not really active much now. Well, yeah, it's but, just gorillas and yeah, uh, yeah. Because Gr- Graham once Graham Coxon left the band, the guitarist, uh, they put out like uh, maybe one album or two I think, albums. Yeah, Think Tank was the one yeah, from Think like Tank. the early which is 2000s, a, which is really great too. Yeah, but it had it lost some of the, I mean, the guitar tone especially uh, that he had on this record or on all the records that he was on is it's good but different yeah so do you still like i mean do you still go back to blur is that something you return to or oh yeah okay it's like it's very comforting to me and uh i i like the later blur more than the like earlier ultra poppy blur uh like the more experimental stuff is more fun for me like this is my definitely my favorite blur record okay okay uh anything else about this one before we drastically shift gears into the next (laughs) no i think we got it okay even the old folks never knew why they call it like they do i was wondering since the age of two down on copper line copper head copper beach copper kettle sitting side by Copper coal, copper Georgia peach down on copper line. Half a mile down to Morgan Creek, leaning heavy on the end of the week. Picky leads and a hog nosed snake down on copper line. We were down on copper line. Supper time with smoke and moonshine down on Since the show is about people's connections to tunes in their lives, um, what is your earliest musical memory, if you have one, that you can um, easily identify? <laughs> uh, Actually, that's is a it great. Something, s- is it something we're gonna get to in this? It's track. It's track two. It's the one we're about to talk about. Oh shit! Oh, look at that. Uh-uh. <laughs> Nailed it. Nice. All right. So your earliest musical memory is James Taylor. Yeah. So my my dad would play um, New New Moonshine. The the this is the first song off New Moonshine. Uh, while he was making dinner, like every night, it felt like this album uh, was on like throughout my entire upbringing and i absolutely hated it uh i couldn't stand it i was like dad can we please play something else and then eventually i don't know exactly if there was a moment but i think i i heard i was like uh you know i should give i think i might maybe i got the james taylor essential record like the best of another best of that's great on vinyl and i was like i'll give it a try and i listened to it i was like oh my god this is so good uh, and then what really got me on a James Taylor kick was starting to learn some of his songs because they're so deceptively complicated. Um, they sound really simple, like just a little folk song. Sure. And then you try and learn it and you're like, oh, geez, like it's like a chord change every beat. It's it's really impressive. I would, I would say he doesn't miss, but uh, he definitely <laughs> he definitely does sometimes. But he just writes so much music yeah. uh, that you're bound to to write a i his i I always joke with with uh, my fiance that uh like he has some blues songs and i'm like 
it's I feel like I'm embarrassed for my father when when I <laughs> when I hear him play like steamroller for like 20 minutes I'm like stop dad uh, stop you're embarrassing me day breaks and the boy wakes up and the dog barks and the bird sings and the sap rises and the angels sigh yeah I tried to go back as if I could all spec house and plywood tore up tore up good down on couple it doesn't come as a surprise to me it doesn't touch my memory man I'm lifting up rising free down over couple lines half a mile down to Morgan Creek I'm only living for the end of the week Forget it's in a hard no snake down on couple lines yeah take me down on What what age did you come around on James Taylor if you were a kid when this came out? And because uh, I assume that I I'm getting the impression that you and I are pretty similar in age, probably. If you were a kid when this came yeah, I was, out, I was born in '89. Okay, I was born in '83. Okay. Um. So yeah, I was big vinyl cassette CD household. Not a lot yeah. of James Taylor though. But um. So what age did you come around on James Taylor then on your own? Because one of the things that I have found when I talk to people on the show, especially other songwriters, is that with an artist even specifically like James Taylor, uh, they will say like, oh, my dad used to play this and I used to hate it. And then at a certain <laughs> a certain point, they're like, do I like this? I think I do. Yeah. So the, the funny thing for me is in my old band, we covered Carolina and uh, in my mind okay and uh and then people started after sh- the show they would be like hey i don't know if anyone's ever told you this but you you're you covering that song made me realize how much your voice reminds me of james taylor and how much your songwriting does and i was i thought that was interesting and once i really started to delve into his stuff so that would probably be around the age of like 25 okay uh i was I, I started being like, oh, I think that James Taylor influenced my entire sense of melody uh, <laughs> from just hearing it over and over and over. I'm like, this is what music sounds like. Yeah. And that's what a melody sounds like. And I'm thankful to my dad for that because I think he writes some of like the the best melodies that just feel like so classic. And like, it's like, oh, did this melody not exist before he wrote it? You know, that kind of feeling when you yeah. hear a song and you're like, this must have existed before this person saying it but um so that's what i'm always striving for is like writing that kind of melody where like you ripped this off from someone right and it's like well maybe <laughs> not <laughs> worlds fly by drove by your place and stopped again tonight i know i said that i'm too scared to try but i still think about you think about you I will not hide 
this is again a drastic switch we're heading and this is i'm so jazzed to talk about carly ray with and literally anybody but especially <laughs> uh since you picked this for the show carly ray jepson give me love a nice slice of emotion which is probably one of the best pop records beginning to end in like the last Truly. six years um so what is your relationship to carly ray jepson like do you were you on board during um call me maybe did you come around later how did you do you listen to a lot of pop music like this like girl as as my friends say girl pop in big air quotes oh my god when they ask me why i'm listening to so much girl pop that's literally sounds like my fiance's niece who is six (laughs) 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 like i have to convince her she's like put on girl music and i'm like at first i was like you know anyone can listen to any type of music it's not but then eventually i found out she just wanted to hear a quote-unquote girl singing which was usually billy eilish but she likes carly ray jepson too you're like uh, you need to you need to check your biases kid. <laughs> yeah well i'm trying my best to influence her um but uh yeah so i heard emotion like I th- so i remember hearing the single uh, I really like you. I think was the first single. Yeah, that was the first thing like, on this. Yeah, and being like, this is not good. And then <laughs> emotion came out, and my, I think my roommate at the time was like, you should listen to this record. And I listened to it, and I was like, oh my god, this is good. It, like that was that single did such a disservice to this record. And I, I like that song now, but it's it's one of the weaker it's, songs. On it the is exactly yeah yeah. Like if you look at this from start to finish, it is one of the. It's obviously was it's infectious and big enough to be released as like the first single, but there are way better songs. Truly. Um, um, and then so luckily I, he introduced me to the record. I think it was like two or three weeks later. She was performing um, at the Paradise in Boston, which is like a at the time was probably like an 850 cap room. Oh, um, wow. And so we went and it was freaking awesome. <laughs> it was so good. Uh, so I got to see Carly Rae on the Emotion Tour. So that's like one of my claim to fames that I'm really Damn. glad I, I got to see that. It was cool. It was it was definitely a special night. Uh, and her band was killer. And yeah, I just I think this record's great. And uh, the fun fact about it, other than it's I you know I connected with it is we did a um, if you didn't know we did a benefit cover compilation of the entire record with a bunch of great bands and uh it's now i think on the wikipedia for emotion that like that this cover (laughs) comp exists and i'm like hell yeah we made it Give me love, give me love, give me love, give me love. Give me love, give me love, give me love, give me love. 
give me love what of of all the songs and emotion what is it about this one um i i think the the chord progression is just so satisfying uh it's like an i think there's like a a a, a two chord uh in it which is unusual for a a pop song um i don't know i think it's just the one that hit me when i listened to the record for the first time it was the one that i i think i got to it it's maybe like track four or five or something yeah it's further in yeah that's the halfway point though because like the best stuff on the album is like way after the halfway point yeah but this is track four and i think i played it i know that a song really hits me when i'm like i play it and then i'm like i think i need to listen to that a couple more times like right in a row oh wow yeah and so i do that uh, i do that occasionally and uh, this was one of those songs. Have you listened to the B-sides from this album? I have a couple, a few times. I like some of them. Yeah, uh, they, uh, I mean, I think Carly Rae is, not... some of them don't hit. Um, I think she's interesting in terms of the fact that she generates so much material and then whittles it down for an album and then has more or less an album's worth of other songs to work with. Um, yeah. the b-sides for the b-sides for this one some of them are really great uh the b-sides for dedicated i think are i don't know if you've heard that mm-hmm. yeah um, i think those are so, some of those are better than what ended up on the album well and and that's my that's i i, I have there's nothing wrong with releasing more music like as a general rule but it's like <laughs> sort of the sort of like the taylor swift thing where it's like I know an album can be anything you want it to be, but maybe there's something to an album that's 10 tracks long. And it's like, here are all my best songs that I love the most and not releasing all 20 that you wrote during yeah. the album cycle. Yeah, it's like, yeah. like uh, Taylor Swift albums are not as interesting to me because they're just too long. It is have... a little. It's a little daunting, like the the Taylor's versions one, especially that she's doing now. Like I, I commend her for going back and doing all that. But the version of Red is like thirty songs now, and it's very overwhelming. When yeah, I'm st- staring that it's... down, and I'm like, I want to listen to this, but it's like, whoo, that is thirty songs is a lot of songs. It's as my friend <laughs> Danny says, it's too much music. <laughs> we don't. We're, we're good. You don't need that much. We're, you know, it's like, I don't know. I, I'm not trying to gatekeep album length, but like <laughs> to, for me, uh, and that's the same with the Carly Rae stuff. It's like, you know, the it's cool to hear more Carly Rae, but like maybe you could have pared down. Maybe you could have pared down both dedicated. A and B sides into like one ultra amazing twelve track album instead yeah, of yeah there is ten. there are some clunkers across both like if you do you if if like self editing is a skill someone has they could have I mean a very lean best of the best album is possible right. out of most things yeah so what you're saying is I shouldn't anticipate a double album from the future teens anytime soon. <laughs> um...
I'm so glad you put this on here because I forgot how hard this song goes. Oh my God. And you just put out a, I mean, recently, uh, the kind of subjectively speaking, you just put released a cover of this, mm-hmm. which is uh, phenomenal. Uh, so you, you, you uh, Bruce Hornsby and the range, uh, every little kiss. Now, is this, is this one of your favorite songs? I mean, this playlist oh, is yeah. your favorite songs of all time, but like, is this another like growing up parents playing Hornsby around the house or how do you, how does someone in your thirties come to be like, I fucks with Bruce Hornsby. <laughs> so apparently my dad is a huge Bruce Hornsby fan, but I only found that out like <laughs> since I gotten it, I've gotten into him, which has been over the past like year, okay. I would say uh, I knew the way it is just the mm-hmm. song, yeah. but I didn't know any of the other songs really. And, uh, so a friend of ours on the internet was like, "Oh, this part of Mandolin Rain reminds me of some a melody you would write." And I was like, "I don't know this song." So I, I listened to it and I was like, "Holy crap, this song's amazing!" And I, I this is a song I listened to probably like I was on a drive and I think I listened to it literally five times in a row. Uh, yeah, Mandolin Rain is he didn't he didn't have to go as hard as he did on that one. <laughs> I do I remember that from when I was a kid, and yeah, that's that's good. I I always say like this is the best song about bluegrass that isn't a bluegrass <laughs> song, <laughs> or maybe better than all the bluegrass songs about bluegrass. That's a really good way to describe it. <laughs> uh, so how did you come to "Every Little Kiss" as being like uh, one of your favorite tunes, and then like one that you felt comfortable taking on on your own? Yeah, after. Uh, after listening to Mandolin Rain five times in a row, I was like, all right, I'm going to listen to the record now because I don't know this record. And the second track is Every Little Kiss. And that it just, again, it's, it's, um, I got over the past two things I've released, I got really into like pairing songs down and making them, you know, three minutes or less. Mm-hmm. And uh, I kind of, I, but I also enjoy a longer song. This song's almost six minutes long. But I wouldn't want it any shorter. Uh, it's I could even have it be longer. So there's something to a song where you're like, it's so satisfying that I feel like I could just listen to it for ten minutes or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and it doesn't get old or boring. Um, and I I still don't know exactly what it is. I think partly it's the melodies are just really really strong.
but I think the the beat is satisfying. There is something in this song that I I didn't appreciate as a kid because I I mean I remember hearing this a ton when I was a kid and I especially remember it was so familiar to me when I listened to the cover you put out. I was just like, yeah, this is really like the nostalgia of this is really hitting home. Mm-hmm. Um, this song it is the juxtaposition of like the drum machine beat mm-hmm. with like the organic instrumentation, like yeah. the guitar and the piano, but set against something that's just very mechanical. Yeah, creates yeah. an it's an interesting contrast that is very satisfying, or at least it com- it's compelling the whole time. That, very true. Yeah, I mean his his piano playing is so rhythmic, and and uh, the stuff he comes up with is uh, not quite like somehow a lot of it is cheese but like somehow he just pulls it off so so well and i think he's probably of the of the performers and songwriters who are doing kind of would you is this adult contemporary is that the genre that we call this in retrospect i don't i don't know how you would classify hornsey but he is of a certain ilk of yeah. like your steve winwoods right right and right. of that like late 80s early 90s older man making accessible adult oriented pop music right and so but i think this has aged better than a lot of um like steve winwood songs some of those have not aged well or kind of are kind of it's you can't listen to them as earnestly and right i think the, this yeah. this song you can you can still listen to in all seriousness and not even with a shred of like smirking irony to it yes yes i think there's there's like a musicality to bruce hornsby um that's he wasn't trying to write songs for the radio uh it feels like it just yeah i mean you don't write a six minute song for the radio you know, <laughs> you know it's like he wrote the song how he wanted it to be and i unless, I think unless you you only want to get played on public radio then yeah. yes <laughs> yes, yes or college radio yeah um anything else about hornsby slash well how did you pick this hornsby as the one to cover were you Uh, was it was it only ever going to be this one or were you ever thinking about a different one i think it felt i mean the lyrics were relatable to me uh because it's like basically about it feels like it's about being on tour i don't know if that's my uh interpretation of it at least um and it's just like an i i kind of got into earnest love songs like a positive love song because i've i've written so many about so many negative experiences with romance or like misadventure Mm -hmm. that uh a song that's not sad but sort of nostalgic like you said or um like a pining kind of thing is is really interesting to me so okay yeah yeah um i mean since i i know you just played a show pretty recently a solo show and so do you have a lot of i mean do you do a lot of other covers when you do your solo performances or is it just like this one and then the stuff off the album yeah i haven't honestly so we've had two full band shows with uh, lake saint daniel and we did not play covers at at either of them uh partly because this the every little kiss cover we did has like my a couple friends on strings and like it's like it was just a whole production that I'm not sure. Maybe eventually we'll play it live, but it's also it is again it is six minutes long, and a six minute long cover in a thirty five minute set is that's how you open. <laughs> Bring it. Uh, uh, 
on your mark, ready, set, let's go. Dance floor pro, I know, you know, I go psycho when my new joint hit. Just can't sit, gotta get jiggy with it. Ooh, that's it, now honey, honey, come ride. TKNY, all up in my eyes. You gotta ride a bag with a lot of stuff in it. Give it to your friend, let's spin. Everybody looking at me, glancing at the kid. Wishing they was dancing a jig here with this handsome kid. Sick a cigar right from Cuba Cuba. I just bite it, it's for the look, I don't light it. They'll wait the ammo on the hand, stay all play. Give it up, jiggy, make it feel like four play. Yo, my cardio is infinite. <laughs> Big Willie Styles all in it. Getting jiggy with it. Getting jiggy with it. Ooh, so this is uh I was very happy to see this on here because I I I love to talk about this song. Um and I love to talk about Will Smith the rapper. So you have selected Getting Jiggy with it from uh, uh, the- w- with it actually. <laughs> You're like, pardon me, with it. You're like, Getting excuse Jiggy with it. You're like, excuse me, the Willennium. Um, uh, so you, from Big Willie Style, the iconic 1997 comeback album from Will Smith. Tell me about your relationship with getting jiggy with it. Um, slash Will Smith the rapper. <laughs> slash Will Smith the actor. <laughs> well, that's a whole rabbit hole. Uh, slash his memoir that just came out that I want to read, but I feel like oh. it'll make me really sad. Ooh, that could get into... I, I, I'm very into audiobooks, and especially when... Uh, someone reads their own audio or uh i don't know if he memoir. reads his own audiobook but yeah he just put out a memoir um yeah like within the last couple of weeks interesting all right i gotta look into that uh this is the first cd i bought with my own money yes. nice. um and it isn't the first pe- the first piece of music i bought which i didn't include on this because i thought this was a better representation was jamiroquai i think it's tra- <laughs> traveling without moving or moving with something like that uh, that's, a, that's the same year same year as uh it's oh wow it's, yeah nine i think 97 was 96 or 97 was jameer quite because i remember that yeah video, i bought that cassette that video was inescapable great video yeah great yeah. video uh but then i bought big willie style and uh yeah it i think it's honestly a, there's some odd songs on it for sure but there's a lot of hits this also um, has miami on it, it does it does and i think men in black is like technically the like bonus track which mm-hmm. i don't remember if it was on the cd i'm guessing it was i think so because it was released around the same time as the movie right so yeah i'm sure to get people to buy this right right yeah uh but yeah this song is just really freaking like i have a another playlist that's called must dance <laughs> and it's songs that when they come on you just like have to dance even if you're not in the mood to to dance it's like impossible not to and this song is it's just a very satisfying beat and i mean i know all the words to it like all the rap elements of it uh because i just had to know as a kid uh listen to it while i i don't even on my disc man without nice. without skip proof you know before that oh. even so you it would constantly be yeah you're walking to school yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah exactly 850 is 
Peace if you need a lift. Who's the kid in the drop? Who else? Will Smith. Living that life, some consider a myth. Rock from South Street to one, two, fifth. Women used to tease me, give it to me now, nice and easy. Since I moved up like Georgia Wheezy. Cream to the maximum, I'll be axing them. Would you like to bounce with your brother that's black enough? Never see Will attacking them. Rather play ball with Shaq and them, flatten them. Like getting, thought I took a spell, but I didn't trust. The lady of my life, she hitting. Hit her with a drop top, with the ribbon. Crib for my mom on the outskirts of Philly. You trying to flex on me? Don't be silly. Getting jiggy with it. Getting jiggy with it. Getting jiggy with it. I mean, I don't, I don't know if I have too, too much like in-depth lyrical to say. Yeah, Will <laughs> yeah. It's just about dancing, I think. I mean, it's like pretty, pretty uh, G-rated. Yeah, I mean, he was trying to keep it clean for the kids, I think, as a, as a rapper. Yeah. But this is also, I think, is this, this is his first foray as Will Smith releasing music under his own name because before it was all DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. Right, right, true. I love Will Smith's rap laugh, and I don't know if that's something that you. Oh, yeah. at, where he's like, he's like, ha 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 ha, whoo! Like, yeah. that's in here. I think that's in almost every every single where he definitely like, when, like instead of like that's his ad lib when he's getting ready to to spit a bar rather than yeah. being like, oh, turn me up in the headphones, feel me, yeah. or whatever. He <laughs> yeah, just yeah, yeah. he just does like a ha 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 ha, whoo! And that's I think that's it's bold. It's it's it bringing is. it's bringing some like a jovial feeling I think to the mic rather than something more intense perhaps. Yeah, there's, there's a good yeah. there's a he's not posturing you know there's a good no. energy uh, yeah. to to his music and 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 I always say like I always ask people like who do you think America's dads are? Um, and Will Smith would be one. Will of Smith them. is definitely one of America's dads. Um, other ones, you know, the obvious one being like Tom Hanks. Oh, uh, sure, yeah. Uh, but Will Smith is is definitely one of America's dads. Um, are you a fan of his film work? Uh, I certainly was as a. I mean, I think Men in Black still holds up. I watched that movie so many times as a kid. Um, that's. I mean, what? That's what I think of when I think Will Smith. I've seen. I haven't seen his like later. He's made some movies as many I choices. Think. Um but yeah, he he's good in I mean Independence Day is another yep, iconic. Yep. Um Bad Boys, the first one. Sure. Wildly problematic but still iconic. Yep. Um Wild Wild West. I didn't you know, I did not see that. And <laughs> I think it, I liked it as a kid. I'm sure it's not good.
to my love took it down I climbed a mountain and I turned around and I saw my reflection in the snow covered hills till the landslide child within my heart rise above can I sail through the changing ocean tides can I handle the seasons of my life Switching gears yet again. Yeah. Uh, when you sent me this list, did you intentionally make the like the genre kind of style hopping? So no. okay, because this is just I love it. It's a it's, roller coaster of emotion. Okay, it's it's funny you mention that because I was talking the other day about how when I'm playing music, when I'm like in the car at work or whatever, my I, I wonder sometimes, has anyone ever listened to these two songs back to back ever? Like, I mean, in, in the age of Spotify and, and streaming music, it's a lot easier, obviously. But yeah. like, has anyone listened to, besides you and I, listening to this playlist, getting jiggy with it and then Landslide? I mean, probably, but maybe not. Fleetwood Mac, Landslide. Uh, what is your relationship with the Mac? but also with this song specifically. And how do you fuck with covers of this at all? Like, I know that there's like a lot of covers out there yeah. of this. Some of them are less impactful than others, but yeah, do you so. have, do you have one in particular that you're like, no, that one's okay. Or are you all like, it's the original or nothing. So, okay. Another, this is another song that I used to listen to. I have to have something, some sort of white noise or, or something on uh, when I'm falling asleep, just cause that's how my brain works. And sure. When I was a kid, I would listen to Kiss 108, which was like the local pop station. Okay. And there was a, before I understood that they played the literal same playlist, like at the same time every night, <laughs> I was like, damn, they play this song every night. What's the deal? Like, I thought that's not how radio works, but that's how pop radio works, or at least works. No, and so they I would think that, play. I think that's how radio works. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I only listen to one radio station and it, it's not like that, but, uh, and I would hear the, I think it was like the 90s or early 2000s live version of Landslide every night. Oh, um, sure. So not, so not this version, but the, the one that one that was the on the reunion. radio. Yeah, the one yeah. from the reunion. Yeah, I know that one. That's uh, my first, that's the first version of this that I heard too. Actually. Interesting. Yeah. Because yeah. it was like all over the radio. Yeah. Um, which is smart. Um, but I, I could not stand it. It drove me nuts. <laughs> I was like, I was like this goddamn song stop playing it and because it, it was like right when it, my bedtime was as a kid um and then Your parents are like hey why don't you want to go to bed and you're like because stevie <laughs> nicks is going to talk about her dad and i don't want to hear it 
<laughs> oh my god, yes, yeah, she does dedicate it, right? So, uh, but then eventually I was again listening to the radio, couldn't have been that much later. And there was the like Smashing Pumpkins cover came on. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this song's so good. Uh, <laughs> and I just needed to hear it in a different context to understand how good it was. And I became like pretty, obs- that's when I started my Fleetwood Mac phase and got heavily into Fleetwood Mac. And eventually saw them play. It was the tour where Lindsey Buckingham was still playing, but um, Christine McVie wasn't. Oh, okay. Uh, so it wasn't, oh, I guess they haven't done a full, full band. But I was happy to see that tour. And they and they just, even when Stevie Nicks started to talk about playing the song, I started crying. Like, right <laughs> away. Like, I was, like, so ready for it. Uh, and it was awesome. It was beautiful. That's great. And, it it lived up to expectations. It's and it's supposedly like the first song she ever wrote, um, allegedly. In big yeah, Earth. like uh, yeah. yeah, first song you ever released. I'll give you that. Yeah. Like, um, but yeah, it's just a it's just a perfect song. It's like three minutes long. It and... is very short, and like what you were saying earlier about how you kind of like the Hornsby song. It could go on much longer, and you would be okay with that, right? Landslide is one of those songs where part of me gets. I get very wistful when it's over uh-huh. because I'm kind of like, this could keep going. I don't know if I'm emotionally prepared for that. <laughs> yeah. I don't yeah. know if I want to continue to be that devastated, but yeah. I would be okay if there were more to this, a little bit more to it. But I like this. The Smashing Pumpkins cover too was like a, was a gateway into this one for me too. Really? Cause I got it. Yeah. Cause I got into that. Uh, I found it much later. Because that's on their B-Sides collection, I think. One of their early B-Sides collections. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, I also... In retrospect, I really like the Dixie Chicks. Or pardon oh, me. Oh, yeah. The Chicks. The yes. Chicks cover of it that they put out. Um, that is really good, too. Yeah. I like the like the harmonies are really good in that. Yeah. And I like yeah. how they, they arranged it with the the their instrumentation with like the banjo and the violin. Yeah. Actually, in my old band, when the first show we got like an actual encore like where we weren't ex- <laughs> we weren't expecting it and we had nothing prepared uh we we played landslide because we just all knew it and 
that became like a thing. And that was always like we did like a sing along with landslide because everyone knows the words to landslide. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so it definitely holds a, a special place for me. So was this a, a pre Future Teens band that you yeah. were in? What was yeah. the, what was the name of the band? Uh, the band was called the Novel Ideas. And okay. It was like sort of like country folk. Oh, nice. Okay. Um, did you record anything as yeah. with yeah. them? Do you, there, is there material out there if people do a deep enough dive? If you so wish, you can <laughs> find it. I mean, th- there's definitely some of the songs I still stand by that I wrote. Okay. We, okay. There were two other talented songwriters in the band, too. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's on the internet. Okay. Is there like a band camp page that hasn't been maintained? In, oh, yeah. Know, like, okay, nice. Big time. <laughs> getting into the last three here and this one this next one is one i'm not was not familiar with um but you you brought a song by paul simon it's called something so right so i know nothing about this one so i and i just this was one of the ones that i listened to uh when you sent me this i listened to the ones that i was super unfamiliar with so i didn't sound like a total buffoon when we were (laughs) talking uh but so tell me about this one this album and this uh this tune and why you picked it yeah, so this song I discovered semi-recently. Uh, I always knew this record, and I listened to it, but it's... Where is it on the album? Uh, where is it? Oh, it's the fourth... Okay, it's the fourth track. Um, I, it, it feels like it kind of blends in between... you know. So on one side, Take Me to the Mardi Gras, which is like upbeat, fun, mm-hmm. and then the other one, One Man's Ceiling is Another Man's Floor, which is another, like, <laughs> feels like a another hit but this song's sort of like a a little deep cut ish even though it's only track four but it has that vibe and uh really it's the lyrics that like hit me uh just the idea that when you're so used to things in whatever realm of your life going poorly when they begin to go well or when something good happens it's like hard to accept that or it's uh, hard to recognize that and that's something that i struggled with 
Uh, and that's often a lot of the times where people, I don't think maybe I've done this and been unaware of it, but people like, uh, uh, sabotage, you know, their own, the, the good thing that is yeah, going yeah. on, um, because they're not used to it. Or they don't know how to accept it into their life. And I think that also applies to mindset. Um, uh, I think with early, when I was writing with future teens, it was always like, okay, let me think about the misadventures romantically or otherwise in my life and write about that. And then I started to not, then that once you're mining your suffering and pain for so long, it ends up being like sort of a, a negative thing because you're focusing on that in a unhealthy way. Or rather, yeah. I, this is you know. this is all making me feel very seen. I understand <laughs> one hundred. This is the kind of thing that I unpack in Zoom therapy every week. Yes, I yes. understand completely. Something goes wrong. I'm the first to admit it. I'm the first to admit it. The last one to know. When something goes right, boy, it's likely to lose me. It's apt to confuse me because it's such an unusual sight. Oh, I swear, I can't get used to something so something so right Some people never say the words I love you It's not their style to be so bold Some people never say those words I love you But like a child And, and and so a lot of that is something you have to unlearn, um, which is a lot harder than learning. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, and yeah, so this song just really hit me when I heard it. Um, and I ended up writing a song with a, about a similar concept on the Future Teens record, Breakup Season, um, Past Tense, uh, which a lot of people hear and they think it's like, oh, this is about a romantic relationship but it's not um 
I mean, it, you know, if you want to interpret it that way, that's fine. But for me, it wasn't. And then I ended up the so that's me thinking about I need to refocus. Mm-hmm. And then the actual refocusing is the Lake St. Daniel record, Good Things, um, where I was trying to think like, what are the good things in my life? And uh, and can I write about those? Like it was a yeah. bit of a challenge for me. So this song kind of spurred that uh, for me. And, and so that's why it's it made the cut. With the with the Lake St. Daniel album, did you had you recorded that before the pandemic or was it like a pandemic project that then you released at like the end of the year half, last year? Half of it was recorded. Okay. Um, and I was like, oh, I'll get around to finishing this. And then March 2020, I was like, okay, I've got, well, at the, at the time I was like, all right, I've got two weeks to write, to write five more songs until tour starts. Of course, that ended up being much longer, but it got me into this place where I was like, if I set a deadline for myself, I'm much more likely to, to hit that deadline. Sure. So I wrote like the next five songs in the next month and then recorded them and uh so yeah half and half okay i wasn't sure if it was like march 2020 you were like well making a solo album Uh, yeah it was more like finishing a solo album okay Someone else, another musician that I'd had on the show, had picked a Pedro the Lion song. And so I've, I I never got into this band or Dave Bazan's solo output, but I feel like I feel like enough people I know and respect love Pedro the Lion. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this is a band I should try to find an access point to and just sit down with. Mm-hmm. So tell me about your relationship with this band. And sp- this song, I thought I really liked this song a lot when I was playing this one because I'd, I'd never heard this before. But tell me oh, about good. Bands with Managers, which I, is a very, it's a very interesting song title and concept. Um, but so how did you get into Pedro the Lion? Um, so... I think it's a good question. It it might have been like just the pitchfork era of like me like <laughs> trolling around on pitchfork and seeing like what, what? pitchfork liked because that Do you still fuck with do you still fuck with pitchfork like uh even anecdotally speaking for uh, like news slash a review of something you might be interested in? No, I actually no, not, any, not okay. anymore. Um but I I I don't have some like agenda against them. I don't just, I just don't think about it anymore. To me, it's like, if you're not, if it, I, I've never gotten a negative review from Pitchfork. So maybe that's why I, I've never gotten any review from yeah, any yeah. music I've made. So maybe that's why I'm neutral 
Um, okay. cause I know some bands are like, you're just hurting my career for no reason. Sure. Um, yeah. but, uh, yeah, I think at the time they reviewed control, which is probably the best page of the line record. Most people would feel similarly, similarly. Um, okay. it's a, it's a concept album, which you don't need to know that going into it. But I was it like concept album. Say less. I am <laughs> on yeah. board. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's not like heavy concept it's just he's not singing about himself uh or his and that's a lot of his music he's he's you know creating characters and he's just so good uh at storytelling through lyrics and i think his melodies all take their time in this way where you're like wonder what where the melody will go next and that's a really cool thing that a lot of singers or a lot of songwriters uh aspire to to have Mm remember i so i saw pedro line was the first concert i went to by myself oh nice and it was pedro line and low oh uh, wow low is from duluth minnesota oh just nice a couple hours just a couple hours away from here that was the first time i even heard them was because i was pedro line was like opening for low and i was like 16 years old and i went and i was really scared it was the first time i took the t alone that's like public transit in boston and this is such an adventure it, it it was i was and i went it was at the somerville i think the somerville theater which is a great local spot still still have shows there and uh yeah a page of line was awesome it, uh, they were great and then low blew me away it was like uh, uh the song silver rider whatever album that is great destroyer or something like yeah, that yeah that's a, was, that was probably when they were touring in support of that um yeah that was their first their first one for sub pop yeah, it was it was a great show, and Pedro Lion that that just cemented my love for them. And I remember I was in my friend Gabe's car; his mom was driving us because this is we were young, mm-hmm. and they were both harmonizing to the song in the car. And I was like, "How do you do that?" <laughs> and they were like, "Oh, I don't know. You just kind of sing along in <laughs> harmony." And I was I thought it was so cool, and this. And then Page of the Lion, uh, David Bazan's range is pretty similar to mine. So harmonizing is pretty easy. And so th- this was like an album where I listened to and I just tried to harmonize and, and learn that. And then it became like a, I can't now listen to music in the car without singing, which maybe to the chagrin of other people in the car. But <laughs> I mean, I'm not like freaking, what's that? 
that jerk off's name uh, who's <laughs> who sings in the car with people. Oh, James Corden. Oh my God, yeah, and not like that where it's like a whole show, but you know, just quietly harmonizing. I'm sorry, myself. I'm gonna be think- I'm gonna be thinking about for a long time about calling him that jerk off. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I don't I, really I do not fuck with James Corden at all. I think he's his whole affect is very irritating. I think the carpool karaoke thing is very like cloying and dumb. He, the only good thing that James Corden has done for me in his reign of terror on late night TV is that at the start of this year he had a musical guest called the Pillow Queens. They mm-hmm. are an, an all-girl, big, queer-energy Irish rock band. That sounds and cool. And inter- he introduced them to American audiences. I had never heard of them before. He had them on. And I, their performance wasn't even done yet. And I had like found a way to order that, their album. And... Uh, so that's all that's all he's done for me is introduce me to one good band but his whole shtick is just like i can't deal with him and his energy so thank you for the the, the, that that jerk off you know the one who sings (laughs) okay my i'll just say this briefly but the first time i ever i was like at a hotel or whatever and i was like what is on cable tv because that's the only time i watch cable tv and uh he was on i'm like i've never seen this guy and the, the the guitarist in his band was, I think, my interpretation of what happened is they were trying to tune mm-hmm. and didn't hit their pedal, like their tuning pedal or whatever. And so they made a noise like, like that, like yeah. that short. And he went off on them on TV, like for like m- minutes, like just making fun of them. And he was obviously really pissed because it distracted him. It was like during his opening monologue. And I was just like, fuck this guy <laughs> like like <laughs> he sucks and i and now i i hold i'm hold that grudge i'm like you can tell like i'm sure he's an asshole in real life and uh obviously is like i don't know i just really turned me off and so now i you know just can't stand so it. what you're saying is future teens will not be making their television debut on the late show with james corden if if we do, I'll have to do something subversive, uh, like wear a Craig Ferguson T-shirt or something like that, or just be tuning the whole time and not play. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
I'm very excited that we you've picked this as the last song that oh, you good. want to talk about. Yeah, let's talk about it. All right, so and it's it's great that you've picked something that is 17 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Uh so Stars of the Lid, iconic ambient duo. And this song title just makes me chuckle every time. I know. December hunting for vegetarian fuckface. <laughs> um <laughs> so good uh, <laughs> um tell me about stars of the lid do you do you listen to a lot of ambient music have you thought about making an with your pandemic time is making an ambient project is this something that you just enjoy but never want to kind of delve into as like a as something to do on your own um yeah so i actually do have an ambient project that nice. it has it was a from a while ago now okay um Let's see, when did that album? I put out a record in 2015 um, and then an EP in 2016. So oh, wow. That I had pro- no idea. Yeah, um, most people don't. Um, <laughs> that that project's called Summer Homes. Okay. Um, it is on the internet. You I was like, you've got, you got a Bandcamp page? you got a SoundCloud link you want to drop? I, do, I mean, it's also, you know, Spotify, I feel like, is just the easiest way. I okay. Don't, <laughs> I don't expect anyone to, to buy it. Um, but... Um, yeah, so I got into, I think I have my brother, I have a younger brother to thank for getting into Stars of Lita. He sent it to me in, he was in high school, I was probably like a freshman in college. And I remember opening my iTunes browser, I think, you know, because we were illegally sharing music. I'll say that, hope it on Kazaa or whatever, you know. Um, and I remember... Oh man, I used to ride so hard for Kazaa. Oh yeah, I know. You had no idea what you were going to get. People would be like, it would be like new Kanye record and you download it. It's like some guy's mixtape just to like (laughs) screw with you. That was my favorite thing about the file sharing era, especially in like the death of Napster. But like when I got to college and it was like Audio Galaxy was the one that everybody used. Interesting. Kazaa was the one that we used until like I used until like my I graduated. But it was. Yeah, I I downloaded a lot of things that weren't the things that I wanted. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah, totally. Um, But anyway, I dropped into my iTunes and I remember vividly skipping through like scrubbing through the song and mm-hmm. just just say, just saying to him where's the song when <laughs> when does it start and he's like no that's it and i was like okay interesting and and from that point i was like all right i'm gonna i'll put on this record uh the 20 2007 record um and i five minutes of their decline yeah. yeah and this is and, their last one too isn't it they i think so they're not exactly active anymore. No, but I mean, they, I have gotten to see them perform a couple times, which was awesome. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. I bet that's wild. Yeah, one time was with uh, like the Brooklyn Philharmonic or something. And it was so, so cool. Uh, and then another time with the quartet, which was great. But uh, yeah, this, I just think I love, I mean, obviously their sense of humor. Um, all their song titles are kind of um, a little wacky in, in a great way um they have one they have a lot of references to twin peaks yes i just think they're absolutely great and it's like it's just a different way of listening to music you know it's it's uh you can listen to it closely and be Mm -hmm. like wow it's interesting how this piece moved from keys or between chords or you can listen to it in the background you know yeah and this song specifically i remember i have the record and 
this song had its own side. <laughs> and I remember on my record player had like a repeat. You can like choose how many times you want to play the side. So I would yeah. play it like five times in a row. And as I was falling asleep and uh, it just kind of like always made its way into my subconscious in a great way. That's I love you know that a, a group means business when a song has its own side. I know. <laughs> it's so it's such a bold and badass move. <laughs>
outside of stars of the lid because i mean the ambient the ambient genre or like this kind of music droning whatever you want to call it is there's either stuff that's really incredible or there's a lot of garbage and so how far have you waded out into other artists that are doing things that are similar or like similar in kind of tone um uh, yeah i'm i'm definitely a little picky with ambient music uh there's like a certain level of like melodrama that I enjoy. I think if it's too, <laughs> you know, if it's too dramatic, that doesn't speak to me as much. Yeah. Um, even though, I, I mean, I like Hammock, that act, but they can be a bit melodramatic at times, um, which is, they do really well, but it's just not always for me. I like the little more neutral. Um, sure. Like, I'm just looking at some related artists. Uh, but there's i don't know i also like the creepy stuff like my friend just introduced me to this <clears throat> project called the caretaker yeah um it's amazing to me how many people know about the caretaker yeah it's just so so he was playing it we were hanging out and he was playing it and i go it sounds kind of like that scene in the shining where like the music's <laughs> coming from the ballroom i i said that without knowing anything about it he goes that is literally the concept of this entire project and i was like wow this person nailed it um yeah um i had heard i don't i mean as somebody who lives on the internet slash follows a lot of ambient artists listens to a lot of kind of like ambient experimental artists i don't remember how i came across the caretaker but i did and i didn't like really tell anybody about it because i don't really have a lot of friends who listen to this kind of music or that kind of mm -hmm. music or who are going to be like, Hey, you want me to put on a record of weird sounds while we're hanging out? <laughs> right, okay. right. Right. So I had been, I don't remember what I was doing, but my 14 year old nephew was at my house uh -huh. and he was like, have you heard of the caretaker? Uh -huh. And I was like, you are 14. That's so what cool. Are you? I was like, what do you know? What I was like, how much you know about the caretaker? And then my wife was like, Oh, I heard about this too, because a friend of hers, a friend of hers, uh, they were talking about The Shining, and I was just like, "How many other people know about this in my house right now?" So good, and and so yeah, we. She was like, "This is absolutely fascinating" because my wife really loves The Shining and kind of the whole mythology around the album or the film. Um, but yeah, she was really impressed with like the creepiness and the dedication to the the warbled old ballroom sounds, yeah, creating something so compelling but terrifying and like, I, I love listening to it but i'm also like oh it's getting a little late probably shouldn't have this on because i'll have nightmares i know for real for real um do you do you like the shining since we're on this tangent about the shining do you um, like in terms of kind of like the shine the kubrick film like are you are you like let's fucking go let's talk about all the theories about what this movie really means or so yes short answer yes <laughs> long answer i'm on a so I'm a hu a big horror fan and I'm on okay. and I never had read Stephen King until January third, twenty twenty one. Oh wow! And now I'm on my like fifteenth Stephen King book. Uh, I'm completely obsessed. Cannot stop reading him. Uh, and the first book I read was The Shining, and it basically ruined the movie uh, because it's just there's so much that I and I understand why it's so different, but. Mm -hmm. Um, there's so much like inner thought uh, in that book 
especially and especially like the Danny's yeah. inner thoughts. It's like basically a book about a kid. Yeah. And and the movie is like here's a book about a guy losing his sanity. Yeah. Um they're both good in their own way. They're entirely different. Yeah, it's, I've never I have never read any Stephen King and I I'm I like the idea of like horror movies or psychological movies, but I have a hard time working my way into them. Like it takes a lot because I get very anxious about it, but like the shining, I guess I get really caught up in the mythology around it and kind of the the filming process and the trivia and kind of the theories about, is this Kubrick's secret confession for filming the faked moon landing is this an allegory for the Holocaust? Oh wow! Is, there's a whole documentary, and it's a shitty documentary, but it's, <laughs> it's it's really poorly made. But it's full of really fascinating information. It's there's people who think that it's an allegory for the genocide of the Native Americans, that it's about the Holocaust, or that it's Kubrick's secret confession for filming the moon landing. And wow. there are there's there's compelling evidence for all three. Wow. If you watch if you if you watch the movie going into it knowing any of that, you'll see little things throughout that you're like, oh shit, that could be it. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. I love that stuff. That's funny. It's very it's really it's really wild, yeah. Uh you absolutely should read The Shining. It's so okay. good. Uh it's not very long. It's not one of his okay. long books. And it's yeah, it's just so damn good. And then Doctor Sleep, the sequel. I the the book is amazing. The the movie is actually really good too. I thought I liked the okay. movie a lot. I remember when all that came out. I didn't. I didn't. I know that the movie. I think they tried to bridge the gap between the Shining book and the Shining movie. They did with and, in 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 the form of the the sequel, the like the Doctor Sleep film. Right, and honestly, they could honestly upon after reading the Shining the book, I think they like kind of nailed it because it's okay. It's there are. Once you read The Shining, you'll see it's like there are quite a few differences, partly in tone, but partly just yeah. in the uh, the story itself. Okay. Um, anything else about Stars of the Lid? And uh, of all the Stars of the Lid, how did you pick this uh, December hunting for vegetarian fuckface? <laughs> I think I just, I really like longer ambient pieces. Okay. And uh, I probably listen to it more than any of their other songs, okay. just because I used to fall asleep to it every night, so... I like that you had a record player where you could set it to pick up and start over again. On it's the so side. nice. Yeah, I still have it. It's so nice. That's I've never seen a record player like that. So that's 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 a good one to have. Um, yeah. So before we wrap up, because we made it through all nine of your tunes, twenty twenty two. What does are you, what are you what are your plans in in terms of are you touring either act are you recording more like what are you what are you hopeful to to do with a new year. Yeah, so my my goal for 2021, and I'm just I've just about hit it, is to finish writing or co-writing a Future Teens record, which okay. that is done, mm-hmm. or at least it's written and, and recorded, and then finish writing another solo record. And I'm like eight out of ten songs done with another Lake St. Daniel record. Okay. Um, and so yeah, the plan is to put more music out. Again, just focus on what I can control yeah uh and and do that and then if other stuff happens like touring and shows and seeing loved ones safely then hell yeah (laughs) (laughs) you know like that's that sounds great but i'm not i'm just not counting on those things the same way i used to 
Um, yeah, it is tough to. Uh, someone else that I had on the show, she the the way she described it is, it's hard to future plan. Yeah, and I'm I'm like I've never put it in that phrasing before, but that's the the best way to put it. Like I can't even think a week ahead now in terms right. of what we'll be able to do or where I might be able to go. Right. And so yeah, just you got some goals, and that's. That's it. Yeah. Honestly, it's a, I think it's kind of a healthy mindset in some ways. I mean, you don't want to like, obviously, if it becomes despair, then that's bad. <laughs> uh, that's not, but it, you know, it's, uh, it's certainly an interesting new way of looking at things. Yeah. Um, anything else before we wrap up for the day with this interview? No, I think. Did we get to everything that we needed to get to? I think, and then some. um i can't thank you enough for taking time out of your morning to chop it up with me about all this and for picking some songs and having like thoughtful anecdotal things to share about it so thank you so much for for speaking with me and taking part in the show i really appreciate it my pleasure i think this is broken and it won't end till someone says something that they actually mean said i'm trying sounds that we've just heard well first at the end of the episode you heard the song play cool 
by my guest today, Daniel Radin, his band, The Future Teens. It is from their recently released EP, Deliberately Alive. Uh, It's a delightful EP that also includes a share cover, so you'll want to check that out. You can cop it on vinyl, you can buy it on compact disc, you can download it uh, onto your desktop, or you can stream it wherever you choose to stream your music from uh, Apple Music or Spotify. And also, you heard a little bit of Daniel's cover of the Bruce Hornsby Absolute Bop Every Little Kiss, that is from his solo project, Lake St. Daniel. Uh, You can download that, again, wherever you download music, from Bandcamp, iTunes, whatever, whatever. You can stream it. Uh, Also, you can cop his Lake St. Daniel LP, released at the end of 2020, Good Things, which is a great record. You can buy it from his Bandcamp site. I highly recommend it if you want to be all up in your feelings at the beginning of this year. Folks, that has been another illustrious episode of the Anhedonic Headphones podcast. I have been, and unfortunately will probably still continue to be, Kevin Krein, a.k.a. Kevy Fly. Thank you for listening. Uh, if you would like some more information about me, you can follow me on Twitter, at Kevy Fly. Uh, I'm also on the Grams uh, under the same moniker. Anhedonic Headphones is entering its ninth year of taking the fun out of music on the internet. I can't believe that I have continued to do something for nine years. Uh, But you can check it out, anhedonichedphones.blogspot.com, for long-winded think pieces about albums you're probably not going to listen to. This season is going to be wild in terms of how often there are episodes and the variety of guests that I have, so just keep your eyes and ears peeled for future episodes, and we'll see you back here. Uh, Stay safe out there, folks, because things seem pretty dire in the world, so keep washing your hands, wearing two masks if you can, get triple vaxxed up, quadruple vaxxed up, just give me all the fucking vaccines, and please remember that black lives still matter. I'll catch you next time.